Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comics First podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about a campaign that's currently ongoing on Zoop. It's called The Brothers James, and I have one of the co-creators and the artist of the project on with me to tell us all about it. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the show, Brian Lovell. Brian, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, you guys are already funded, which is fantastic. Congratulations on that. Uh, but you. we still want plenty of people who uh, are curious, who like crime comics, who like, you know, all out action and, and just kind of gritty storytelling to, to hear about this and learn about this and see if they want to uh, join in the campaign. So why don't we start out with you telling everybody uh, what the Brothers James is all about, and then we'll talk a little bit about the, uh, the origins of the story. Sure. Uh, so I always tell people it's essentially a rip roaring revenge story kind of tearing through the southeast of the United States. Um, but the secret of the book is just kind of how genuinely heartfelt it can be as a story about twin brothers and just um, kind of the bond that comes <clears throat> with with blood, essentially. Yeah. Now, so so you guys, this campaign, correct me if I'm wrong, is to both collect. You, you can um get the previous issues that have been released, but also to, to finish it off, right? Like it was initially planned as a five issue story, but you had only released four issues uh, previously. Is that accurate? That is completely correct. We had, uh, we had released four issues over the course of several years being an indie book, you know, timing is, you know, it always tends to fit between things. And uh, the fifth issue is finally kind of getting done. And then we are giving people the option to, to get issues because we have these kind of, am I allowed to swear? I was going to say bitchin', but I don't know if that's going to get Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, we, I, th- I think we have these bitchin', like grindhouse-y uh, poster style covers that we have that and a variant version. And then we also have the collected edition for people that just want to blow through and read the whole story in one full shot. So uh, how did you release it previously? You know, you mentioned being an in, in indie, indie book. Was it, uh, was it self-published previously? Correct. Yeah. I mean, I believe it briefly had a stint with a publisher on issue one, but it was really, really like brief. And then we just self-published it, like selling at cons. Um, I think we even mailed some stuff out through a web store and then even had a brief stint on Comixology, which we will return on Comixology later. So, it, I mean, it, it's a fantastic story. Uh, obviously, people that have read it, you know, want to know, <laughs> know the ending. Um, did you have a pretty good following? Because I I got to think that the way issue four ended and and it being such a good story that may have contributed to you guys getting funded so quickly on Zoom. Uh, well, I think uh, the people that were so our fandoms are really weird, like Ryan and I, um, you know, I think a lot of people that were really excited about the book initially were people that were close to us, but it was also a lot of our contemporaries. So this book was kind of a bit of a blast out from like the people that I think really were kind of like, holy shit, were a lot of our contemporaries that are professionals now. So I think there was a lot of like, kind of like, oh, I definitely want to see how this goes. Because, you know, Ryan and I have grown over the years and the way that the kind of last issue goes reflects some of that growth. And it's also a bit of a redux, like we're revisiting the previous issues and making some tweaks and really sharpening it up. So it's, uh, it's as sharp as it can possibly be. So everybody gets a really good package. And I think that the, the, the fan base is essentially people that I think they've been there from really early on uh, in our careers. Yeah, well, and I, I think there's a lot to be said for being able to have it in a, in a collected edition, too, because uh, as much as it is this brutal sort of crime noir and tale of, of revenge, like you said, there's some relevant points in it when it comes to kind of family and trauma and dealing with your past. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't go to the extreme that the brothers do, but there's a few people I wouldn't <laughs> mind putting in their place from my past. You know what I mean? 
Sure. Well, and I think even that's a point of contention for the brothers, which is like how far is too far, you know, like, like, it, like, what is the net gain here uh, on what we're doing? Like, are we doing this because we feel like this is justice? Or are we doing this because we feel like we want revenge, you know? Yeah. And you, you mentioned uh, the writer on the series, your, your co-creator and collaborator, Ryan Ferrier. Um, yes. With you guys coming back to this and, and getting to, to complete the story and, and have it in this nice package uh, from, from Zoop, you mentioned going back and tweaking things. Um, do you feel like as time's gone on and you guys have done other comic work and whatnot, going back to revisit this, are you tweaking things? To, I mean, obviously to make it better, but at any point do you kind of cringe, go, oh, we shouldn't have done it that way or I'm so much better now. Let me let me tweak it. Like, what are your thoughts on on making the, the little changes to make it better? Absolutely. I totally think so. You know, like, it's not like, uh, you know, we're not like going to fold George Lucas it or anything like that, where we're, you know, going to add whole new scenes and stuff to try to change the narrative. But I think there's like, there's growth uh, where there's certain things where, I mean, Ryan and I literally, when we revisited this, wondered if we should even uh, keep the narrator, because he's such like a weird, funny voice, right. like kind of in the middle. But then we kind of came back and we're like, nah, this dude has a cool identity. You know, like it gives the book a cool identity. Mm -hmm. It gives it a, a bit of a flavor that other stuff doesn't have. So we kept him, but that was like on the table. Like we were looking to make like, we just want this thing to be as good as possible and make sure that people get the best possible product that they can out of it and enjoy themselves. So was it, I mean, you go back and you think, God, we do things differently or I'm so much better now. Uh, there's that aspect of it, but going back and looking at it, was it, was it a, like a fun trip down memory lane for you and Ryan too? Like, oh, I forgot we'd done that or, oh, you know, we, we nailed this scene or this uh, part of the story. Oh yeah. I think, uh, I honestly, if I can be frank, like there's a reason that we can't let it, that it, that it didn't get let go. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's some really strong stuff inside of it. And I think that there's like a, there's an energy in it that is almost hard to replicate when you have something to lose, like a career uh, versus when you're building a career and you're making a mark. Right. So like we went off on some of those early issues and we were like, this is wild. Like some of the stuff that we chose to do visually story-wise, like, you know, we, 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 for lack of better terms, put the pedal to the metal on the book. And I, I think we're both really proud of it. Now, when did the first issue drop? When did, when did you guys release the first issue? So I was, uh, the first issue came out, I, I actually started drawing issue two. Michael Walsh drew issue one. Um, and then he had to leave because he had a book come out at Image Comics. So he had to take care of those duties. And so but I think issue one was about 10 years ago. Wow. That's because here's what I, I mean, we all know the way the world's changed in the last five years, everything's become more divisive and I don't know, in a way more, more violent, um, I mean, this book's still pushing the edge, but when I, I think back, wow, if the first issue came out in, in, you know, 2010 or 2011, this was really something at the time. It really has sort of a, a, a brutality to it, which I think in a way makes it more pure, right? You're not pulling any punches or, or trying to sugarcoat anything. You're saying, this is the story. This is who these guys are. And, and even the narrator in the, in the first issue is talking about that. You know, this is who yeah. these guys are. They don't, pull any punches they don't make any uh, apologies and i think there's something uh pure about that is it a, was it a challenge when you were going back to finish the story to make sure that you kept that same tone and maybe even amped it up a little because you know things have shifted a little bit in the last 10 years in terms of society and, and the way things are viewed yeah you know i think we actually kind of cut society out entirely uh 
like, well, I mean, even it's befitting of cutting society out when we have where, where issue five takes place. If you've read up to issue four, right. You yeah. know, where issue five is. So yeah. society is really not quite so relevant. Uh, but the, it's funny that you chose the word amped up because uh, issue five is certainly an amped up project in a quite literal and, and uh, metaphorical way. Uh, if, I actually wrote issue five myself. Um, Ryan has since retired from comics. Uh, and so like he was involved in the process of this last issue for sure. But as far as scripting goes, that was on me. And uh, I definitely like when we came to the table, like nothing was off the table. We really kind of tried to make sure that the book was, I still like, I remember like it, all, there was things like horses, like horse stampeding and all kinds of shit on the table. We had all kinds of ideas. And what we ended up going with is bonkers, but still completely fits in the sort of wheelhouse of the Brothers James. I think once you hit issue three of the Brothers James and where those boys end up, you kind of know there's nothing really off limits in this book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we definitely deliver that kind of um, unhinged narrative all the way through to the end of issue five. Yeah, and, and we've mentioned it a couple of times. The other thing that makes it so relevant, and, and you talked about it, is this idea of, of family, you know, and the brothers meet somebody along the way that turns out it it sort of, well, to use that word, amps up that whole aspect of it as well, uh, mm-hmm. this idea of, of family. Um, is it tough to balance to make sure you, you have enough action and you're keeping it crazy over the top, but still make sure you have that relevant theme? or Or do you think that right from the start families just baked in and it was kind of easy to keep it at the forefront of the story. Uh, Well, you know, like the, the brothers are separated at the beginning of issue five. I'll, you know, like the readers will be able to see why. Um, But they, so like that, that family dynamic just really is kind of a pressure cooker anyway in Mm -hmm. the issue five story. So as we kind of push toward the thing, you kind of see at the end of issue four, we hit a a bit of a fever pitch with familial tension uh, and then we kind of, you know, like we don't really like resolve anything at first because they get separated. And so like that, that thing is just like waiting to burst. And I feel like by the time that we really address those issues, there's to me, there's some real intense familial moments of like anger and resentment and frustration, but also like genuine catharsis and understanding and acceptance and all the stuff that comes with family. Um, I haven't really shared this anywhere, but I lost a brother this year. And so like some of that got kind of put into uh, just the feelings of the book, you know? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. And I, I hope it was cathartic to kind of, uh, you know, tell the story uh, in, in a way and, and kind of, you know, get that angst out of, of your loss. Yeah. Sometimes you just get to say stuff that you don't get to say. Right. Like, right. Like stories kind of are that opportunity like to, kind of travel backward in time or whatever. Now, uh, how many pages is, uh, is issue five? Cause issue, I, I think all the first ones are like, like around 25 or 26, but then issue four was a little bit longer. I think it was like 28 or 30, uh, how, 36. How many, 36. So it does get even a little bit longer. Um, and do, do you feel like, uh, like, is there any, are there any stories, you know, obviously we don't want you to give the ending away, but are there any stories? Could you go back and tell other brother James stories, maybe prequels? Does it, or is this pretty much like the, the end of the story for these guys? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, there was like a delay there. Forgive me if yeah. I talked over you. No. Um, there's there's absolutely other Brothers James stories. I think once again, like by the time that you hit issue two uh, of the Brothers James, you're kind of like, oh, okay, there's something going on here that's a little 
weird. And then issue three, you're like, oh, there's definitely something weird going on here. Um, and by the time that you hit the end of issue five, like it's most certainly there's a billion stories you could tell around these guys. Cool. Cause uh, I would love to have more of them because again, it's just, even though it's gritty and even though it's brutal there, I keep going back to that word pure. There's a, there's a pureness to it. These guys don't apologize. They're very self-aware uh, right. of, of what they're doing. Uh, and, and they have a reason for doing what they're doing. Uh, so you got to kind of respect that it, in that way. It kind of reminds me of um, the Richard Stark character. Uh, I can't remember his name, but from uh, Parker. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. He, he, he's a jackass. He's an asshole. He doesn't apologize for it. That's just who he is. And the brothers James are, are very similar to that. So, uh, so I like that. Yeah. The brothers James feel to me like the guys that like you always want to hang out with up until they get just like, like whatever that threshold of beers is. Yeah. Uh, and then once they go over that threshold, you're like, all right, I got to get a, I got to call an Uber. You guys have yeah. fun. Uh, Cause shit's going to get bad from here on out. Yeah, I would agree. That's definitely, or you know, I, I'm going to go sit over there now. Cause I know there's a fight about to happen. Somebody's going to get stabbed. Yeah, yeah. This is not ideal. Yeah. Or you next time you run into him, you know, black eye, finger missing, whatever. Well, and after what happened to him, it's hard to blame him. You know, like yeah. it's easy to stay. It's easy to stay their friend, or you're just kind of like, oh yeah, these guys are just taking out the world, like taking out their day on the world here. Um, so you know, I feel bad for the brothers James, but I also love them. I care for them, and you know, Ryan is such a dear friend of mine and such a dear brother that it's like, you know, just kind of standing in those brothers' shoes. And the story is a lot like just hanging out with Ryan in a lot of ways for me. It's a chance to just be, to you know, I don't know, just a chance to be there with people you care about. Now, uh, with you writing the last issue and scripting it. What effect did that have on on you doing the the art? I mean, you, I heard you mentioned you know, nothing was off the table. You're even thinking about you know big thing with horses or whatever. And, and I've heard from so many comic artists that drawing horses is something nobody ever wants to do. Obviously, you got to take that off the table, so you didn't have to draw it. But what were some of the challenges with writing and drawing? Did it make things easier when it came time to do the the visuals? Did it make things harder? Uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of uh, like Marvel DC level continuity here for the sake of uh, explaining this. So I'm not drawing issue five. So if we're going to look at like the lineage of this comic book, we're going to do it right now. So oh, like, the, the, the comic was started by Ryan Ferrier and Michael Walsh. Uh, Mike drew the first issue and departed uh, when he got a great opportunity from Image Comics uh, with Ed Brisson. So I took over art duties. They both kind of had me in mind as a replacement. I took over for Michael on art duties for issues three, four, or sorry, two, three, and four. Ryan was still scripting all of this stuff. And I jumped in on issue four and wrote a couple of pages. Uh, so they kind of, kind of, I think he credited me as co-writer or something like that. Um, and then we took a long hiatus because I got a job with Ed Brisson at Image Comics. Uh, so, you know, Ed is... Ed's essentially a disease plaguing this comic book. Uh, I hope to God he listens to this. So it'd be very funny. Ed's still a dear friend of mine. I love him so much. Yeah, he's been uh, on the show several times. Super talented, great guy. Yeah, I love it. So easy to talk to. So just chill. He's the best. But uh, also super good at, at hamstringing this comic book. Uh, <laughs> so then, uh, you know, a number of t a number of years went by. Um, and Ryan and I had revisited multiple occasions and considered hiring uh, somebody and tried a bunch of different ways to try to get things figured out. But because of work schedules, uh, things kind of did what they did and it didn't happen. And then I finally hit a point where I was like, I had had it. And I was like, this book is getting fucking done. And uh, I called Ryan and Ryan had, like I said, since retired from comics. And I was like, are you able to jump in and do this or not? Like, I want to put a bow on it. Are you okay with like 
how do you feel? And he was like, yes, let's put a bow on it, but I cannot script it. I can do other stuff. I can letter it. I can do some design, but I can't commit the time to doing a full script. I have too much going on in my life. Um, to which I respected and I was like, can I script it? And he said, yes, I would prefer that. So, um, so then we talked about art and all that stuff. And we, we ended up hiring, uh, a good friend of mine and uh, an excellent artist who's local to me. He's a tattooer, just like me. His name is Eamon Hill. Um, it's E-A-M-O-N Hill. And Eamon is just cut from similar cloth as me. We both love EC Comics. Like he's a huge fan of like Westerns and horror and all that stuff. He did a book called Vaquero where he drew a shitload of horses. So it seemed like a great uh, fit <laughs> in the original plan. And then I started doing outlining and, you know, like we talked to Eamon, he was interested. I did the outline. I sent it to Ryan. Ryan had some notes. We talked about it and I scripted the thing. Eamon said, fuck yeah, let's go. Uh, so I got Eamon the script and he's in the middle of drawing it now. And so we we're really grateful to have Eamon on board. Uh, so it's, even though the artists have switched hands for a third time, it you know, and like, so like kind of the writer has switched and it all just kind of feels like it doesn't feel weird. It actually feels appropriate to me. Yeah. Well, your style, uh, I mean, I didn't even notice that I thought Michael had only done the, the covers. I didn't even notice that the interiors were, were different from the first issue to the, to the second. So does, is Eamon's style kind of similar to, uh, to yours when it comes to the interiors? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think uh, where, you know, uh, Michael kind of has an approach, like that I have a separate approach that's I'm trying to think of who I would even compare it to at the time. Like, I think that when I was drawing this book, like my stuff definitely had a more brushy, like, I don't know, like I was looking at a lot of Toth and, uh, you know, Chris Somni, but like more detailed and stuff. And Eamon uh, is definitely more like a Jack Davis fan. Like his stuff is a little bit more like I'm a big Frank Robbins fan. I think we both share that. So, you know, like he's still a real brushy guy, real textural, um, just a good, really great artist. And, and our lineage is very similar. So I think that though there might be slight differences in the way that people perceive the work, I don't think it's going to like, like the storytelling won't feel any different, you know, and me being a script, like the script writer, you know, I think like an artist anyway. So like, you know, kind of giving Eamon like reins to kind of run with it, but I would still kind of try to keep it as visual as possible to make sure that, you know, like there might be blocks of text periodically, but you're getting a primarily visual, visual story. Yeah. I, I think that's important because that's uh, another part of the the thing about the book that so impressed me, even though it's in black and white um, and we're talking about kind of the brutality and the violence, there's this tone. And I think it speaks so much to the kind of the body language and, and also the, the scripting, the, the dialogue that uh, Ryan put in the first four issues. And you've mentioned it a couple of times being, you know, set in the South um, and it, it has that feel of, you know, being set there and, and kind of that, uh, you know, that, uh, what's the word I'm that kind of that underworld that's there, the, 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 the stuff that's kind of behind the scenes, the not so nice part of, of being in that, uh, in the country, you know, we've all seen those, those movies, especially the ones in, in the seventies where you're, you know, talking about outlaws and bootleggers, you know, guys that make moonshine bikers, you know, easy rider, that sort of thing. Um, and you guys capture that in the art very well now obviously with the fifth, fifth issue being set elsewhere in a way um but i imagine you're still trying to keep that sort of tone right this is still a sort of a southern hard-boiled crime story right oh absolutely 
Yeah, I mean, I think people forget too, like, or don't even know, like, that's where I live. Like, I live in, I, I live in Kentucky. I mean, I'm not like far south, like we get into Louisiana and Tennessee in the book. I'm further north than that, but I'm a Kentucky guy. I own a tattoo shop. Like, I spend a lot of time around bikers and, you know, like, like, that's just kind of my dad is, you know, he, he owns a performance engine shop. I grew up around muscle cars. Like, this is just kind of like where I'm from in a way. Uh, and, and so it just kind of fits me. Eamon is really not too different. He works in a tattoo shop. Like he's very much into cars, you know, like he's just, you know, we just kind of fit right in there. Uh, and like the, the final story where it takes place really doesn't have much bearing on, cause like, like there's still subplots, you know, you still get outside of, uh, their, those two brothers mm -hmm. situation, um like like you get kind of the world around always still kind of matters and you know of course we can't spend all of the issue in one location so we uh we get we get out and about um it's a rowdy last issue man i'm really excited for you to see it like we did some really insane shit yeah i'm i'm, I'm excited to read it too it's a story like we said that definitely uh deserves a, a conclusion and, and yeah it just sounds like this story is so much of what is in your DNA and what's in uh, Avon's DNA, which is always the best way to do it when you're a creator. You know, they say, write what you know, in a way, you know, draw what you know and what you're passionate yeah. about. So, yeah. But, and I'm a Midwest guy too. Like you kind of talked about like the black and white, like, like there's something about the sparseness of the Midwest, you know, like where, you know, I grew up 10 miles between towns. Mm -hmm. uh, so like, I don't like down where I live now in the Cincinnati like, man, like I, I'm from further north than this, but it's like driving a four wheeler through the, through the drive through to get a six pack of beer. Like it's like, <laughs> that's how it was where I grew up. Yeah. Um, and down here, it's like, I'm shocked that like municip municipalities butt up against each other. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so like, I'm from definitely more country than I am now. Uh, but it's, you know, like it, it like the black and white is like kind of funny because I can't imagine the book, not black and white. Like it feels like color would do it such a disservice. Yeah, there's a there's a kind of a visceralness to the art, and you're able to get that gritty feel. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think it would be a real challenge to to color it and keep kind of the same mood. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There's something just naturally subversive about black and white nowadays because everything's in color, and so like by by virtue of it being in black and white, it just feels like you have something more uh, subversive in your hand, even if it's not. It just feels that way. Yeah, well, and it sort of suits kind of the the underground feel, you know, the, these, the brothers, they're, you know, they're clearly operating outside the law, you know, behind the <laughs> scenes, trying to, you know, stay on the down low and that, you know, similar to kind of, you know, the old underground black and white comics of the, of the 80s. Uh, yeah. why, don't, why don't you let uh, everybody know what some of the tiers are, because you're, you're offering, obviously, more than just uh, issue five, you know, we mentioned you can, you can get a collection of, of all the books, but there's also, um some add-ons right that where you can get sketches and whatnot yeah it's funny i'm gonna have to like pop over there on on this on the website but i you know we've got the issues and so what we tried to do was try to be friendly to people that have been supporting the book all all these years so like issue five alone is still just available like you don't like you can show up and just get issue five uh like we wanted to make sure that that was possible for people uh but if you get issue five you can also if you if you want more than that then we have issues one through five we've got the standard versions but then we also have what what we're, we have variants like the black white and uh, bloodstained variants which are kind of black and white with like blood spattered covers uh like more limited color palette i think they're pretty bitching um and then we've got the trade paperback which is you know the trade and then we've got sort of a couple of retailer bundles for retailers that are interested in getting it on the book and then uh i did for a number of days and we still have some more stuff coming down the pipeline but uh i had like 
handpicked like 12 of my favorite pages uh, to put up for sale. I did sell uh, a bit there, but we didn't sell through all of them. Maybe we'll throw a couple more. There's one sketch left from me. Um, so if people want to get a sketch, like uh, like I, I'm doing these, they, there's an example on there. Um, you can get drawn into the Brothers James. Like if you want to, like there's some, there's some sequences with some prisoners and some prison guards. Uh, so if people want to get their faces drawn into the book, like uh, you can be a, a jailbird or a shitty guard, but nobody's a good person. So like you don't <laughs> expect to be a good guy in this book. Um, that That's some of the stuff I, I, we sold a bunch of original art. So that's, uh, that's, that's primarily the, the stuff that we really ran through a lot of. I actually still have, uh, we haven't released it yet, but I think in a couple of days, we're going to drop the covers for the, um, for the issues, like the Grindhouse style covers, which those have not gone up yet. So keep an eye on the campaign and those will become available. And they're pretty sick. They're like all fully rendered ink wash, black and white images. Yeah, those, those covers, you know, they're just fantastic. Uh, so just to remind everybody, this is a fully funded project. So if you do go over to zoop.gg uh, and look for the Brothers James, you're gonna get it if you pledge. Um, as, uh, as we record this, uh, it's going to be released tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, October 13th. We're recording it on Tuesday. Uh, but as of right now, it's at 10146 so a little bit over the, the $10,000 goal. And uh, just a reminder, like I always do when we have uh, these creators on to talk about uh, their uh, creator-owned crowdfunded projects, even if you go and check it out and it doesn't seem like it's for you, or maybe you think it's perfect for you, but you just don't have the means to support it right now, the best way you can help out Brian and Eamon and Ryan is to, to share it on social media. Even if you don't get a chance to, to join or it's not for you, let's get as many eyes on this thing as possible because even though it's fully funded, uh, you know, let's, let's double it, right? So we can get even more Brothers James. You heard Brian himself say that there's, there's more Brothers James stories to tell. Uh, and the other thing about Zoop GG is that they're creating a comic book community here. Um, and they are. the more eyes we get on it, the more people that, that learn about the platform, you know, the more, uh, it just becomes this cycle where you, you know, the more people that see it, the more projects are on there, the more get funded, the more people see it and it just perpetuates uh, itself. Uh, how has the experience been with, uh, working with, uh, zoo Brian, has it been a uh, pretty, pretty seamless so far? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're good dudes. They've, taking care of me and like uh, taking care of the campaign. Uh, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I've never crowdfunded anything before. Um, and if I'm being frank, like I'm a pretty neurotic guy. Um, and, you know, like I've run a tattoo shop for 10 years. So I kind of have a way of doing things. And so like if, uh, but, I, but it's funny to have a way of doing things when you've never done something before. So you show up with kind of like this weird idea and they did a really great job of like aiding with me which i think by itself is a titanic effort um but then on top of it like just kind of staying on top of the campaign making sure they're communicating with people you know like lining up like uh you know like like the logistics end of things that i need to take care of and dealing with people that like the like the contributors or supporters or what i don't know what they're called supporters or i don't know people that pay money <laughs> to the campaign <laughs> essentially uh pledge people i don't know um but like they talk they you know they handle that and they've just done a really great job there are so much more on it than I am like it's it's staggering you know like they're always the one having to wait on messages from me not the other way around um so they've been really great and I think what what excites me about Zoop being a potential like long-term thing is that it's 
it's for comics. So like, it's a place that people could go and just find comics. You know, it's, it's like a, like kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, I don't know. It's just a hub. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it seems like a great hub to go find cool shit. Um, and it, and based on, you know, our project up against Connors, who was before us and then, uh, you know, uh, Chris and Ray's before that, like, like, and John's at first, like, there's just all these people doing completely different stuff. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, you know, you mentioned running a, a tattoo shop, you know, as opposed to doing something on like a Kickstarter Indiegogo where it's all on you, you don't necessarily have time to, you know, be answering, you know, all the questions and, and shipping all these boxes out when it comes time uh, for fulfillment, you know, so this allows you to, to do the creative part, but then let, Zoop do all kind of the the nuts and bolts kind of stuff and just give you the freedom to to create because your time obviously is limited. Yeah, yeah. And I mean like I'm sure that I've been like a pain in the ass like to them, but they've been super cool and have not made me feel like I am. So like I, that goes a long way with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh well, it's been great chatting about the, the project Brian. Again, congratulations on being funded already. Uh are, do you have any Thank other you projects or anything else that you that, that you can mention uh that's coming down the, the line that we should keep an eye out for or, or are you just concentrating on the brothers james right now i mean if you're like a big two fan and you like uh like superhero stuff like i'm currently doing a crossover between batman and fables over at dc like i drew that like and that's a six issue miniseries um that that's currently coming out and like that'll be six issues long plus a trade will come out after that so that's like the thing that's coming out that's not brothers james for me right now i do have a uh like a Substack like newsletter called thrones like what you know king sit on or whatever thrones.substack.com uh and that's kind of a place where i get a little real not like in any sort of like shit talking, like, I don't know, gossipy way, but just where I kind of spill my guts about being like a comic book creator, a horror guy, and also a religious guy, and kind of how all those things kind of come together. And it's weirdly people have responded quite well to it. So if you kind of think that it's like interesting to hear people pontificate about all kinds of weird bullshit, like that's the place to go. And but but it, more than that, like I'm also going to be putting up some stuff that maybe you can't get anywhere else. Uh, not like the James Tinian or like, uh, you know, like... Uh, um, uh, Saladin, uh, Ahmed stuff, or like, uh, or like all the people that are kind of doing Substack comics. Like, I'm not involved in that group. Not that I don't want to be. That would be lovely to get paid a bunch of money to do Substack comics. But, <laughs> but that's like, like, but I'm kind of trying to use it as a place where I can be exceedingly honest uh, to the point of a detriment, uh, and and just really kind of allow people to get to know who I am and and kind of take me or leave me. Um, but but really make real honest to goodness art for the you know like like for an audience that's interested in that not not an audience that's interested in say you know and nothing against audiences that are interested in Batman but you know you if you like the way I draw Batman but you don't like the way I draw anything else don't expect to like what comes out there okay. if you like what I draw and you like the way I draw Batman well now you could be happy you know yeah we we covered that Batman Big B the first issue on our our weekly DC spotlight and it, it was I'm not a fables guy I've never read it fables but my co-host uh, loves fables and was very familiar and but either way we both love the the story and the visuals and and can't wait for uh, the subsequent issues 
Oh, great. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I was scared to death. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those dudes that like puts pen to paper and gets all nervous. Like, like where like, Oh, it's like, Oh my God, I'm drawing Spider-Man. Holy shit. Like don't fuck up or whatever. Like, that's not how I think, but I do get that way right before the book comes out. Right. So like, I'll have it done for months or whatever. And then the book is, it's like Monday or Tuesday and the book comes out tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh fuck, everybody's going to hate this shit. You know? And I start getting all yeah. white knuckle about it. Yeah. You know what uh, that man, that just means you're passionate about the work and you want people to like it. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's, it's not that you don't have confidence in your abilities. You just want people to like it. So I, I can respect that. Yeah. And that's a, kind of the toughest thing for me too. Cause it's like, I want people to like it, but I also genuinely don't care if they don't. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a weird, like, how do I even maintain both those realities in my head? Like, I think it's the, uh, I think it's just that space between of like, do they, it's like the big unknown, like, do they like this or hate it? I can do something with either answer, right. but it's the not knowing not that it's knowing. like, oh shit, yeah. this sucks. <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Uh, Well, everybody, I'll put a link to the Zoop campaign in the show notes. As always, I'll also put a link to Brian Substack if you want to go and and subscribe to that and and check out uh, what he's doing there. Uh, Also, uh, where else online? Are you uh, an Instagram guy, a Twitter guy? Is there any uh, other place where people should be following you to find out when you have uh, stuff coming out? Sure. Well, I'm not generally very social social media savvy in any capacity, but I am on Facebook. My wife set up like a fan page for me on there and I do have a personal page, but it's essentially I'm terrible on Facebook. <laughs> um, Instagram, I do have at Illuminati Tattoo, I-L-L-U-M-I-N-A-U-T-T-A-T-T-O-O. Uh, that's my tattoo shop, but I also post drawings and Zoop actually took over the social media management of my Instagram account um, for this campaign. So if you go to Illuminat, like Juggernaut, but Illuminat tattoo uh at illuminati tattoo on instagram i'm there uh and then also brian underscore level on twitter if you want to that's where i post a lot of sketches also just randomly in the middle i tell you uh like i have this running gag where i'll just name a superhero and then tell you to imagine them with a gun and i think that's a really funny uh bit that i don't know why it's funny to me but it's like hey dr manhattan but he has a gun and then everybody's like oh yeah this is sick that's funny <laughs> like, it's so stupid but i love it you know so you can find me on twitter for that kind of bullshit oh and i'll talk about hardcore bands so fantastic well i'll put links to the instagram and the twitter in the show notes as well everybody so you can go and check it out and and, and just a reminder even if you uh you know you don't have the the means or, or it doesn't sound like brother james is for you just go and check it out it'll take you know 30 seconds and and throw it out there and so on your own social media uh so we can get as many eyes on it as possible even if you uh you don't plan on uh supporting the campaign so uh, again brian congratulations on on funding the campaign and you know being able to, to put the bow on brothers james i can't wait to see how the story ends and i look forward to more work from you in the future thank you so absolutely much and to all the people that have listened to this that might have actually backed it thank you so much for bringing this thing to the end like we just appreciate it so much and thanks for having me on to kind of spread the word about the brothers james i hope that everybody likes it because we're real proud of it yeah, and uh, if, if you're not familiar with it at all, everybody, there are, you know, the, the collected editions, and I, I do highly recommend it, man. If you like just all-out action, bikers and guns and muscle cars and people getting shot, this is definitely for you. It's a, it's a whole heck of a lot of fun, over-the-top uh, story. So, uh, again, I, Brian, I personally okay. love when evil bikers get shot, so I don't know how anybody else could not. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's great to see people getting their comeuppance, uh, <laughs> especially these days when uh, sometimes we wish we could, but no, we shouldn't because we don't want to we don't want to end up behind bars. So hey, well, uh, where's the microphone? I can put real close to my mouth and be like, CIA, CIA I didn't say anything yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks again, Brian. Really appreciate it. Uh, and to all you listeners, thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate your support and we'll talk to you next time. 
You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.